Hello, and welcome to For Your Listening Pleasure, a podcast focused on talking with interesting and diverse individuals and discussing how their backgrounds shape them into the people they are today. I am your host, Mallory Waxman. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited to be welcoming Danielle Peterson, founder and creator of Hollaback Cards. I started following Danielle years ago on Instagram, and I've been lucky enough to watch her business grow over the years. In this episode, we talk about balancing our corporate jobs and passion projects, the benefits of social media, and the impact it has on women, as well as our mutual love for all things pop culture and Bravo. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me today. Why don't we start at the beginning? What was life like for you growing up? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. I am from Sarasota, Florida. I was actually born in St. Louis, but my parents um, moved to Sarasota when I was six months old. My dad was actually born there. So we're like deep into Sarasota in my family. Uh, People may know it from Siesta Key, which is not a very good representation of my town. But I lived there my, basically my whole life. And then I went to college at University of Florida, which is in Gainesville. And I started, I guess, in 2008, which seems forever ago now, which is really embarrassing. But I uh, started doing journalism. And when I got to the end of my journalism degree, I sort of didn't know what to do. And I ended up thinking, well, um, maybe I'll apply to law school. And it was like a very Elle Woods moment, like, oh, maybe I'll wake up and go to law school today. (laughs) And that's what I ended up doing. And I went to law school at UF. And then when I graduated, I ended up wanting to do more corporate tax and more, um, more complicated stuff. So I went back again (laughs) to UF and got my third degree there in tax law. And while all that was going on, I was living with my friends, obviously, and we were hanging out doing fun stuff. And I love Valentine's Day. So I ended up drawing a bunch of Valentines for them when I was in undergrad. And it just became kind of a thing that we did all the time. And I promise I have a segue here of where I'm going, but I would draw these Valentines for them. And it was a fun thing that we did every year. And by the time I got to law school, it became sort of a side hobby for me. And it's how I started Hall of Backcards, just how you found me. (laughs) And it just became something that I could have never anticipated. It became something like a, like a, side business for me. So I ended up becoming a lawyer and now I also make pop culture greeting cards. So it's been kind of an interesting path that I could have never anticipated would have been my life when I started journalism school like a decade ago now. So yeah. So I think what's so interesting is you are using both like your right side of your brain and your left side. So you're doing the creative aspect with Hollaback Cards. And for those listeners who have not looked, um, we'll link to it and we're going to do some giveaways for some of her product. And trust me, we will be talking all about her business because that is how I found Danielle. And I've been a huge fan for so long. I had the magnets. I've bought cards for friends. Um, But then you also do corporate tax law. How do you balance almost two different sides of yourself? Yeah, it's it's really strange, honestly. Uh, When I started journalism school, I I mean, growing up, I was not into math. Math was actually like my worst subject. I am convinced like I had a mental block when it came to math. Um, Don't tell my employers that, but um, no. So it was like kind of shocking to me that I ended up being the field I went into. But for me, tax is less numbersy and more like, like a puzzle in a lot of ways. And I think that that's how I've been able to balance that part as far as somebody who's not super numbers oriented going into a field that seems very technical. As far as balancing the two, I think it's actually the best for me because I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that outlet. Like it's so important to me to have it. Um, I was always a very like artsy child. (laughs) 
So doing this is really fun for me. And honestly, it's just like even just connecting with the people, like people like you through this has been the best part of balancing both because I've gotten to have so many fun conversations with people that I would have never had if I hadn't started this Instagram and started doing these cards. And that's really been the coolest part. So the balance is really doing something that I think is important and I get satisfaction out of in the fact that it is very, um, I mean, I hate to use the word taxing because it sounds like a pun, but it is. <laughs> um, but, and then also getting to have this fun side of my life where I get to create things that I think are funny and that also bring people joy and they bring me joy in return by having these fun connections with people. So when you were talking about how um, Hollaback Cards allows you to kind of have that outlet, that really resonated with me because with the podcast, I have a normal job. Um, I'm in marketing, mm -hmm. but having this outlet to connect with people, to learn about, you know, people that are different from me or um, really know a lot about a certain topic or have had very interesting life experiences is something I'm really passionate about. So I could understand that as well. But I also know that I felt a lot of um, fear when launching the podcast and worry because it's really have people realize like not only the work you're putting into it, but the, also the people that you're having on the show, you want them to connect but it's scary as a female starting a business or launching an endeavor. And I think that a lot of women sometimes are nervous about doing that. How did you feel confident enough to put your art and put these designs out there? What steps did you take and what advice would you give people who might be teetering on, am I good enough? Because art's so personal to kind of put out there. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a really good question. I think for me, in a lot of ways, I was really lucky because it it didn't start out necessarily as me being like, oh, I'm going to make this a business. It was literally just something I did for my friends and I had extras and they were like, people will buy these. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. But then, but then people did and it, it became something so much bigger than I ever anticipated. So I think I was lucky in the sense that I didn't have to go through that initial fear because it was never, it was always just kind of organic. And then it, as it grew, it, I think that's when maybe sometimes the fear came about. Cause it was like, now how do I balance my full-time job with something that's becoming hours wise, like a full-time job. I think that was the struggle for me. Um, I think as far as advice for people and especially women who want to, start their own business or who maybe don't feel fulfilled in certain areas of their life and are looking to do something like this, I think always the answer is yes. Uh, you know, I mean, art is very personal, but for me, it's like, I'm, I don't consider myself a great artist. <laughs> like I'm just having fun with it. But I think if it's something that brings you joy and there's a chance that it can bring other people joy, then I think what's the harm in giving it a shot. And I think if you are, you know, it's, if you're thinking about your job and you just don't feel like, you feel like there's something missing, then I think that's a sign that you need to pursue something that will bring you that fulfillment. I would never let the fear stop you from being fulfilled because I think that feeling is scarier than the feeling of putting yourself out there. Do your corporate coworkers think about your Instagram? <laughs> Do they know about it? Like, did you have to clear it with them? You know, I've had experience where uh, my corporate um, company wasn't the biggest fan of like side, like the side hustle. And yeah. How do you navigate those waters? So I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lucky in the sense that I think all of my um, bosses know about it, or at least like, um, you know, I work at a big company. So um, everybody in my like regional group basically knows about it. And honestly, they've been very supportive. I think there have been times where sometimes, you know, if people don't like you necessarily, then it becomes like an issue in the sense of, oh, well, she's focused on two things and maybe she's not as focused on her job Yes, because I, of this. I have had that yeah. previous experience. 
And I think that that is unfair because during work hours like that, my job is my job and that is my first priority. Um, and whatever you decide to do outside of those hours, if it's not detrimental to the company you work for, I personally don't think should be brought up. I mean, nobody complains about other people being like, well, you went fishing this weekend. I think maybe you don't care about your job that much. <laughs> I mean, I've been lucky in the sense that most people are very supportive. Um, they think it's fun that, you know, I have a lot of female coworkers who love Bravo and pop culture. So they think it's really fun. Um, I think the longer I've been there and the longer that I've, you know, sort of proved my um, dedication to my job, it has become less of an issue. But um, you know, I'm, I've had a few people make comments about it, but it, to me, it's, it's my passion. So I just brush it off. <laughs> so. I know you mentioned that your grandmothers both were really big role models for you, but very yin and yang to each other. Can you talk to us about them a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, in some ways I think that maybe they've both like maybe I've taken both parts of their personalities. My maternal grandma was like the very sweet one. She was very nurturing. She always listened to your stories and she just made you feel very heard, which I think is a quality that is underappreciated, but really highly valued when you can make people feel like they, their stories are important and give them a listening or a sounding board to talk about their feelings and then my other grandma, who also listened to me, but in a different way, she was very strong. She, um, she's still alive, but she's, um, she's very strong and she just always put her family first. Like she never complained and just really was a, my role model in the sense of her strength and the way that she loved her family so deeply and just really would do anything for them. And she had such a positive attitude and always encouraged me that like, you know, it's okay to feel sad, but it's going to get better. Things get better and you will push forward because of your strength. And so I think the two of them always encouraged me in different ways to grow as a person and they've really been very integral in the person that I became so no it's funny grandparents have that way of nurturing and being like that person you want to run to they'll always have your side but also making you see the best in you and knowing and believing you so much that it makes you believe in yourself yeah, my grandma always, my dad's mom always tells me, she's like, I just like admire you so much and I believe in you and I support you. And I think to hear that is such a important thing to have, you know, in your corner, a lot of people don't have that. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I have somebody who believes in me. So. so one thing you and I are able to really connect on is Valentine's Day. I know yeah. you love Valentine's Day. I love Valentine's Day. Whether I'm in a relationship or if I'm single, I love the holiday. I think it's so important to celebrate people you love. Um, and that's kind of where you started this. Can you talk to listeners about, you know, when people hear Valentine's Day, they kind of roll their eyes and don't love it. But talk to us about why you love Valentine's Day and how the first cards really came about with your girlfriends. Yeah. So, I mean, as we've talked about before, I do really like Valentine's Day. It's one of my favorite holidays. I think when I was younger, I remember feeling like all this pressure, like, oh, like I need a boyfriend or else Valentine's Day is sad. But at some point, um, I think probably when I was in my later teens, it became more, you know, you don't have to be in a relationship. And I mean, you can be in a relationship on Valentine's Day, and but you can still celebrate a different kind of love. And for me, it became more of and I think this is why they have like Valentine's Day now is because it became more about you know you can just celebrate that you love love and I would just go out with my girlfriends and it became a night of sort of like you know what we love each other <laughs> like we love our friendship and we value our friendship and I think that that is a better stance for me at least for Valentine's Day and I think that's why I grew to love it so much because it wasn't about being in a relationship. It was about all your relationships in life. It was about loving your family or loving your friends and also loving yourself. And I think that that was more important to me than just another day where like, 
your boyfriend could take you out to dinner. It's like, no, you could do that all year round and it doesn't have to be like a special day, but it's just more important, I think, to celebrate the message overall and not just a night where you're like, did you get me like candy (laughs) or like make a, like a reservation at a restaurant? I just think it can be more of a deeper message overall. And I think that's when I started to really love it. Well, what I love about your cards is you go to a card store and it's very basic Valentine's Day cards. Um, I would say only in the last few years, maybe they're kind of gotten a little bit funnier a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yours are hilarious and you take a lot of pop culture references and bring them into your cards and you draw them. So how did you start to decide that pop culture was going to be a little bit more of the essence of your business. So I like love music like very, very deeply and TV shows, obviously just all kinds of pop culture. And there are just so many like song quotes that I just thought were so funny if you put them in a context that was like not in the song. So like, I think the first one I ever made for my friend was a Ja Rule Valentine because I just thought it would be so funny if you like opened a Valentine thinking it would be this like romantic display of love, but instead it was like every thug needs a lady or like something kind of just silly. And like, you know, I think I did ones for like of Miley Cyrus and Justin Bieber. Like it just was something that I thought it would be more fun to have something so personal to your friends because you can buy a valentine off the store and it's you know it's sweet and it has a nice message to it which sometimes is perfect for what the occasion is but I also think there's something really fun about knowing your friends or your partner well enough to be like you know I I saw this very (laughs) specific thing and I know how much you love it and so I got that for you and it I just think there's something like it shows you know the person it's a deep connection with them even if it is over something silly and usually it's pretty funny which I think is just a more fun way to give valentines in my opinion and so I think that's how it started is just I started out with more like songs just that I drew my friends and at some point I remember watching um (laughs) unfortunately I hate that it's this person who started it but um I was watching Vanderpump Rules and it was a it was the reunion probably in like season one where Jax Taylor was like you know you guys cut out this really romantic scene between me and Stassi where I was like saying really deep stuff to her and you guys did it you like left it on the editing editing room floor and Andy was like oh well like we actually have the footage like we have the footage like here we'll show it for you and it was this line that he said like you're a million times more important than a bottle of vodka and I was like dying because I was like one this man thought he like really poured his heart out to Stassi yeah like he thought he was like you know like he could get like a Pulitzer for this and it was just such a funny line and I think that was the first one that I ever made because I was like oh my god imagine opening a valentine and like that's what you get like Jackson and Chunky sweater saying that to you and I just thought it was so funny and I think like when I started it, there's so much now, but when I started it, there really wasn't that much about like Bravo out there. And I just was like, you know, I love it so much. My friends love it so much. And so it became like, there are so many iconic, like funny things that happen that I think you could easily turn into like a card or a quote that would just make people laugh. And I, and that's how it sort of spun into that. So thanks, Jax. <laughs> so I remember it had to have been three, maybe four years ago. And I got your first wives club magnet. And um, at the time, like I didn't even, my fridge wasn't even magnetic. So I, <laughs> but I like, I loved it. And I remember I um, pinned it up at work, like next to my computer and I worked at the time in a pretty corporate uh, conservative financial um, company. And people would come up and be like, where did you get that? Like, I love that. And I would just look at it during the day and it would just make me laugh. And so from there, I know you've really like expanded. You have mugs, magnets, you've done um, with Taylor Swift with the new Red Album. The keychain is like blowing up, um, <laughs> which I love. But what do you think is your favorite 
which franchise is your favorite to kind of pull from? And then non-Bravo, where else do you get inspiration from? Hmm, okay, so my favorite franchise to pull from, I think it's it's hard to say because I think it depends on the season that I'm watching. Like certain seasons I watch and I'm like, God, there's so many good things. Like I think Leah McSweeney's first season of New York, she had so many epic. good lines. It Everyone was, did, yeah. It was epic with the pool and Sonya yeah. and just like, like it was a shit show, but it was amazing to watch. Yeah, it was a total like disaster, yeah. <laughs> I think personally, but it was like you would watch it and you'd be like, God, there's so many good things to pull from. So I think typically New York would be, I know last season really wasn't that like fun, but I, I, um, I've never not watched yeah. the season of New York and two until episodes last. in, I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that seems to be the general consensus, but normally I think New York is probably my favorite just because I think they're like so funny. And then also Potomac, I'm starting to like pull from more and more because they just have like they are just natural comedians on that show. So, um, but yeah, I think probably on its good seasons, New York is my favorite. And then as far as outside of Bravo, I think it really, I mean, I kind of get inspiration from everywhere. Like I'll be watching shows and I'm like, oh, this is so good. Like this would be so funny or like this would be really cool to draw. Um, so I think it's just all over the place. (laughs) Some Yellowstone in succession for those. Yeah. Yeah. Succession was so funny. Yeah. uh, I'm a sicko for you. Yeah. (laughs) I love that one too. (laughs) For those who don't know, I'll, I'll post, um, some of these up on our Instagram so you can see and tag them back. Um, for me, I am a massive Kardashian fan, like Kim, that Kim and Kanye's divorce like broke me. I was yeah, so same. sad about it. I mean, I have I still have their Vogue because I was. Oh, I did too. <laughs> I'm happy. Um, but you know, some of those lines are just so funny, and I see like you pull from them, and um, that's how we kind of ended up talking. Is you would draw something or post a status, and I would comment because I have no one else that will really engage with me. I'm like such a deep level about housewives or Kardashians or social and pop culture. Um, How have you felt that you've really utilized Instagram to kind of grow the business and connect with others? I mean, really for me, the, the, like I said before, the best part is, is the connection that I've made with people. Like I've met people, like people who message me, like they've become my real life friends. Like we hang out like in Miami and stuff. Like it's like a real. Another account I follow who I believe like you were at her bachelorette is Lucy. Cause she's yeah. too. And I've been following her and yeah. I know you guys have done some like joint merch cause she does yeah. her first wives Friday. Yeah, I adore Lucy. Um, Like we started talking on Instagram and uh, she was nice enough to hang out with me at BravoCon when I went because I went by myself and she went by herself. And I was like, all right, like, I guess I'll just meet this girl. (laughs) And like, even though we've never actually like met in real life and we just had a blast, like she's exactly the way she is on her Instagram account. And I like, I was, I mean, I got to go to her wedding, which is wild. Um, Maggie from Best of Bravo is become one of my really close friends and like real moms of Bravo, but also like not even just people who run accounts. Like I literally have been like, oh, I love talking to like certain people and we like have just such funny like rapport or they make me laugh so much and they've become like my real life friends. And I think that that's the best part about it is that like when I started it, like I adore my, my friends that I have had since like, I was like a little kid, but you know, not all of them watch Bravo and it's like a fun connection to have with people when you can talk about it. Cause it's just so fun. And Bravo fans are kind of unlike any other type of fan, <laughs> but even just like pop culture, like, you know, not all my friends love the Kardashians, but it's so fun to like have more people to talk to about that. And so I think in some ways, like I'm so grateful in both directions that like I can be there to talk to people who don't have that and that they've given me that space too. 
Um, as far as growing my account, like on Instagram, um, I mean, when I started, I had like no followers and it really was just kind of like a space where I was like, well, I'm just going to post these things. And like, I think it's fun and hopefully people will see it and they'll shop at my Etsy and, and that'll be what it is. And it has become at least for me more of a community <laughs> than just like a, a space. Like I try to think of it as more of an kind of like an interactive thing. Like it's not really necessarily my personal space. It's more like, I'm using it to talk with people and, you know, people message me ideas for brackets. They like, you know, they ask me about things for cards and it's just become kind of a fun creative space where people can express opinions and hopefully they take that and they can share it with their friends too. So, so you and I mentioned when we talked previously at a certain age, it's really hard to make new friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uncomfortable. You're trying really hard not to be weird and you kind of want to be like hey can we hang out because i i think we have a lot in common but you it's it's uncomfortable at a certain age and um it's nice that this platform has allowed you or you know just all of us to connect with people who don't live in the same cities maybe not even the same countries but we connect on a level of interest and you kind of have those instagram friends like you said that turn into real life friends and it's nice especially I think with the pandemic, it was so nice to be able to continue connecting and being social with one another when we really like could not be. Oh my God, no, really. Anyone. Like for the pandemic as when I started, I think, I think maybe right before the pandemic, I started doing like the brackets on my account where oh, like people vote on there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's I'm, what I I'm think excited. when I started it and that really was such a fun interactive thing for me that I needed personally because people would be like, oh, this was a bright spot to my day. And I was like, no, same. Cause like you're sitting inside all day long doing nothing thing and you have so much uncertainty but like this gives you like a small opportunity to think about something else and so it's it's really it's it's as like people will message me and be like this is really like fun and it's a bright spot to my day but it, it's it's the same for me so so for those who don't know uh danielle does brackets like college brackets or you know any yeah, of like march things. madness yeah it's pretty much like <laughs> march madness but for different themes and in the past i know you've done holiday songs best Taylor Swift song, hottest housewife, husband. That's a very intense one. Those brackets yeah. are massive. <laughs> um, and currently right now you're doing Harry Potter, which I think I sent to like five or six different friends being like, you need to do this bracket. I'm playing along. It's interesting to see how people are voting. I don't fully agree with all of them, but no, I never do. <laughs> you know, but it's interesting because it kind of lets you know where people fall or what, you know, how they sway with certain house husbands or Harry Potter characters. Um, I think right now Hermione is beating Harry. Yeah, Hermione is beating Harry, which is which I'm like very here for, but I know it's shocking. But I'm like he's, he's the franchise. Yeah, he um, is the franchise. You know, but um, now we're we're questioning it. Like is he the franchise? <laughs> like Hermione started the twentieth anniversary special instead of Harry. Like you know, did they yeah, I think that's that that <laughs> what brackets do you still want to do, or do you have people suggested? Um, well, for Valentine's Day, I'm gonna do best like teen rom com because okay. I like I've been wanting to do that for a while. Um, and then I kind of have gotten like now, well, unfortunately, we're like you know, two, three years into this freaking pandemic, so it's like I never thought it would be like something that I, I thought the brackets would, would kind of be like a one-off thing I did a few times but they became so much fun that I keep doing them so some like I repeat I've, like I've decided that I'm just going to do them in the same month every year because for Housewives like, and is yeah well like when she released her all of her new music I was like we got to do this again because the last one doesn't feel well, one, I didn't think it was accurate anyway, but two, I was like, I want to see how everyone feels about it with like her new music. And I think the the Housewives and House Husbands one is really fun mm -hmm. to do yearly because people's opinions change so much in a year. Like the winner of last year's could be out in the first round or not even make it 
like even onto the bracket this year. So yeah. I think that's really cool to see like how people's opinions have changed over the course of just a single year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, some, cause I was thinking when we, I knew we were going to be doing this interview and about the brackets as I was filling out Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> one that came to mind is like the boy band, girl band groups. Oh, that would be like, so good. You know, if you ended up having like Spice Girls versus Backstreet Boys, like which one do you kind of sway? And then those iconic Housewives episodes, that would take a lot on your end to kind of think, but like the scary island versus like oh, that would be really dinner good party too. from hell. Like which yeah. one is like the, the most iconic, yeah. Because there's been some. Um, have you ever had any of the Bravo celebs reach out to you and if so, like who and what was that like? Um, yeah, a couple of them have messaged me or they follow me on Instagram, which is always like for me, like a fangirl moment. Like I wish I was cooler and I was like, it's not that big of a deal to me, but like it totally is. Oh, it, um, <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. Um, Leah from New York follows me. Um, That's a big one. Cause yeah, I was like very a, excited. I mean, <laughs> well, she's like, she's she's connected and like yeah. has some like street cred. It's not like a random newbie kind of. Well, and I mean, who knows if she's coming back, but um, I was pretty excited when that happened. Some of the Summer House cast follow me, which is pretty exciting because like I love Summer House and uh, you know, sometimes people message me who are like Bravo celebrities, like Frank Catania weighed in a few times on the bracket and I like lost my mind. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, it's always exciting. Cause like first and foremost, like I am a fan. So no, I get that feeling. Um, it's kind of funny when you think how easy it is to recognize someone that's doing something different and like how much that means to them. So like you doing those brackets or, you know, cards and having someone be like, oh, like I follow you to them. It's just like a quick click uh, like, but for you, it's like, oh, wow, they're noticing. And so I think we as a society could do so much more to acknowledge people. It doesn't take a lot of time to realize when people are doing something creative or going out their way just to say like, oh, I really like that or thank you or, you know, what you're doing is inspiring. No, I mean, it really is like, um, I can't tell you how much it means to me when people message me and are like, I gave this to my friend, like I gave your cards or your magnets to my friends or like my mom or, you know, my coworkers and they just loved it so much. Like it made them laugh so much. And like people have sent me videos of them like exchanging gifts and they've gotten each other, like they've both gotten each other my stuff, which is, yeah. Yeah. It blows my mind because it's like, I don't know. It's very easy to make this stuff in a vacuum, like in my apartment. And then to like, actually like think about the fact that it's going out into the world and people are giving it to each other and it makes them very happy. And it, it's like, it really does mean so much to me. So it's a really amazing form of validation to know that you like have made people happy in some small way. So another thing you and I have talked about and connected on is our love of skins. And I will tell you, like, I, (laughs) am nuts about it um and I remember I posted and tagged them in something and they messaged me and I was like it was such a did you die yeah (laughs) it was the same thing when I did it with goop because I like love goop yeah they messaged me and was like oh thank you and I was like dying but um so when we talk about skims and you see how I don't know if you read the article that it's now valued at like $2.6 billion. So one, Kim is back on top. She's making more money than Kylie. So she should be Chris's new favorite again. But yes, rightfully so. (laughs) at At least for me, people don't understand my love of Kim. And I just say she was the first celebrity I remember that wasn't a stick. Like, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, they would wear those low rise jeans. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Built like that. And even at the time Beyonce was very thin as well. She was very thin. Yeah. And Kim came on with an ass and thighs and they touched and like she had boobs and, and now we're at this point where that's almost in, but her, you know, before I remember having to wear Spanx for certain things and it was uncomfortable and didn't fit great. And then skims came along and it was like, wow, she gets the woman's body. She understands skin tone. She understands 
the uncomfortable parts of like I don't want to take off this whole body suit can you just snap it so I can like yes <laughs> not like deal with that um have what do you think about just the evolution of fashion with what's going on because like bravo too you know there was never glam teams in oc or like beverly or you know new york and now it's like a fashion show constantly which is nice because we love watching that but it's also so unrealistic so i kind of go back and forth with reality and like how it women come across sometimes i don't know if you have any thoughts that wasn't yeah, no, question, but. no, no, I, I, I think I got where you're going. Um, yeah. so first I think, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, it's, it's very unhealthy these days to like look at Instagram and I, I'm personally, I'm very glad that I'm not like a 15, 14 year old girl I, looking at Instagram all day long. Never survive. No, I, I don't, ever. I don't know how you would deal with that. No. Yeah. Um, cause like, like you were saying when we were, when I think you're probably close to my age or the same I, I age. I think we're the same age. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were younger, there was like, there was really only one type of like what the media called pretty. And it was like stick thin, Kate Moss, Paris Hilton, yeah. Kate Moss. Like, I mean, you know, those like crazy lower pants, but like, I remember buying and I was like, oh my god like my like love handles are sticking out of this like this is not a good look for me but it was like mm -hmm. the only look it was like well this is it you know and it was either you like get very thin or you just don't feel like you're like in like in fashion which even I mean it sounds like trivial to say but it's it's very like as a 14 year old girl to feel like you can't wear the same things as other people who are considered beautiful and feel beautiful it's it's traumatic yeah. and and so, also like the makeup like I would put on some eyeshadow liner mascara like I was not baking my eyes and contouring no. <laughs> and you know I look at TikTok sometimes and I'm just like you look like you're you know there's a certain celebrity's child and because they're under 18 I'm not gonna say yeah. who it is I'm, I can guess who you're but, but I'm just like <laughs> you look like you're in your 20s and it's it's kind of like that loss of adolescence. But then again, we also love looking at Dorit's outfits and like Erica's glam is out of control, but it's just not realistic. And I don't know, sometimes it's hard with social media. And I, I think in some ways we're lucky that we are like, you know, this age during it, because I think it would be so much harder to look at it as a child and try to sort of sort out the real from the fake, which is the only issue like I applaud the Kardashians for, you know, putting a different type of body, maybe in more mainstream, obviously, like, they're not the ones who, like, created it or cultivated it, and a lot of it is manufactured and meant to look like, you know, different, like, I don't know, it's hard to explain, they but, the, yeah. the image of beauty, but people had always had bodies like that, but they were always yes. in the background. They were really the first ones that brought it to the forefront, but I yeah, think that that's a good way is, to put it you know, um, we all know they have stuff done. I mean, right. But it would be nice to kind of have them be a little bit more open. Like, Hey, I'm not doing tons of squats and stairmaster and all this stuff to build my butt like this. Like there's some stuff that I get done on the side because yes, you kind of are setting a really unhealthy and unrealistic expectation of beauty. And when you're so young, the beauty treatments they do, I know what I make. I cannot afford that. And I'm in my thirties. There's no way. And then you look at these young kids with the makeup and this, if you're going to outspend and you're, yeah, I don't. Well, even, I mean, that's why like, I, I actually love the Instagram accounts that like break down what they think all the procedures are that the celebrities have had done. Because I mean, even me, like, I mean, I would look at some of these pictures of women and be like, God, they're so beautiful. And then it's like, when you actually get down to it, not that they are not beautiful. And I don't think having work done makes you less beautiful no, in I any mean, sense of it. Botox yeah, same. I'm, I mean, I, I love I'm, my Botox. Yeah. I mean, I've wanted but I think it's, forever. Yeah. I mean, same, but I think it's important to say it and let people know that like, you know what you like, just, I mean, Kim is beautiful. Like there's no doubt about it, but I Kim mean, is, has gorgeous probably spend so much money to look beautiful and I think it's important to people you know especially young people to know that that is what's going on here there's so much 
face tuning and so much editing and makeup and, and they have private trainers and chefs yeah. that are like balancing every macro and everything like that. And it's yeah. really, it's, it's, it's a job and that's it is a job, job to be beautiful. And it's, you know, if that was everybody's job, then we would probably all look like that, but we don't. And that's like, I think it's just important to never look at yourself as less because that's not the way you look. And, you know, because at the end of the day, when all of that is stripped away, they don't look like that either. Yeah. I mean, one thing I will say, then we can move on to something else is I love that Kyle Richards kind of harasses her cast members about glam and that you see her taking her eyelashes off and all of this and- Oh, with her under eye patches. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, she keeps a very- real and relatable like with all of that um yeah I will yeah yeah. the glam on the housewives I think like that's why I used to love New York is because it was never about I love that Beth would come with like her mascara from the night before under her eyes her hair's everywhere and she just did not care at all and she looked like a hot mess 90% of the season unless it was a skinny girl event and then like the yeah team would come in but even so then she would be like this isn't real this is not how I am I miss her a lot I'm hoping that I, I miss her when she was on it I think she's become kind of strange since she left but she was like such a funny part of the show but I think that's why that show worked for so long is because it was about like the comedy and the relationships. It wasn't really like a fashion show, which I think is what happened on Beverly Hills is it became so manufactured in that sense that it was like, there was no like storyline. It was just like, look how good I look. (laughs) And like, you know, you would see, and I think this is a big thing for women, like Bethany and Ramona would, I mean, every episode. And then Bethany would say, I forgive you. You forgive me. I love her. Yeah. I know she's crazy, but like, let's move on. And I thought that that for a long time, that series really showed women's relationships and navigating them really well. Whereas the other one, sometimes I feel like you're finding drama to secure your spot for next yeah. year. And it's like, I don't go into a friend group trying to stir the pot. Rana. No, no. But, oh my God. I hate <laughs> But, you know, then you get certain things. But now you're starting to see a lot of legal issues come up with the housewives. Now it's three different franchises that have different lawyers kind of getting involved. And as someone who did go to law school, and you probably know a lot more than us, granted, you're not their lawyers. um, What do you think of, do you think that's something we're going to start seeing more? Like you can't hide from the government. You can't hide from doing certain things. And I feel like if you're going on a reality show, like lawyers are going to start looking at you a little more when you're spending the kind of money that they're spending. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's really the the big problem is that people come on the show, they want to be on the show and there's an expectation of the show that you have a certain lifestyle. And I would assume that you probably don't even really get looked at if you don't have that kind of lifestyle going in, because like, I mean, they're not going to be filming somebody who lives in like an apartment versus like on Beverly Hills when like people are like millions and millions of dollars. I mean, I I wish they would. (laughs) When Leah started in New York, like Luann went to her apartment and was like, appalled by it and it yeah like, no that's like showing some realness and stuff like and that's probably around. a really nice apartment yeah. <laughs> yeah no I mean I think I think that that's really the issue and I would I would have to guess that like after everything that has happened like although it's been good for Bravo in the sense of like viewership I have to think that they want to like curtail it a little bit because like it can't really be like a good look to have people on there who are, you know, like husbands are stealing from orphans and widows or like defrauding the elderly or not paying their taxes, like and going to prison. <laughs> like it's all kind of like a, a facade for a lifestyle. And I, I have to think that that's not what they want. Like while it helps them get viewers, like in the long run, I can't really think that every season that's what they're looking for. I'm kind of surprised so. that their tax returns for the last <laughs> five years, you know. Um, but then speaking of Bravo, so Jenny on Salt Lake mm-hmm. had some really bad, like disgusting uh, messages on Facebook around yeah. uh, Black Lives Matter and they've been removed and Bravo 
took a few days after other cast members to come out and say, hey, she's no longer on the show. We're not going to be working with her. Mm -hmm. There have been times on the shows where I have wished that Bravo would step in more and kind of take a little bit of a, a stronger stance, especially in today's day and age. You know, I know Andy Cohn is Jewish, as am I. And I, with the amount of anti-Semitism, like Bravo could come out and say like, you know, we're standing with, you know, this group or, you know, any of the tragedies and they're not. Do mm-hmm. you, but they have these huge followings and these, do you think it's something that like the housewives should, before they start a season or join a cast, go through training? Do you think that there needs to be some guidelines so Bravo can say like, we understand, yes, we are doing reality, but it's also our job to make sure people are on the television that are educated and understand telling someone they have like slanted eyes or that like, yeah, look, you can't do that. That's not okay. Or, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? So one, my, my guess maybe with, with Jenny, with what happened to her, because you have to think about like Kelly Dodd, like they didn't like, I mean, granted they had, granted they had already, I think filmed her season when a lot of her chaos was happening, which may be the difference, but I'm kind of wondering if going forward, they didn't alter their contract somehow to be like, listen, if you, I don't know what they could have put in. I don't, I don't do contract law, but you know, maybe they put something in there that was like, you know, if you're not aligning with our values then maybe we have like a green light to let you go because it just seemed kind of strange that like, people like Kelly Dodd, you know, and I know Ramona's had a lot of issues, like, you know, they've never really, like, I mean, granted, they they did let Kelly go, but they didn't fire her mid-season, which they probably should have, so it's just kind of surprising. Kelly was bad. It it turned me off to the OC, like, the anti-vax, all of that stuff, because you have a platform, and I get it, we live in a country that has freedom of speech. Granted, you can say whatever you want, but not misinformation or hateful speech. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm sure it is difficult too as a company, especially for Bravo. You have like, what, like fifty, a hundred cast members yeah. on a show, they and Stassi real fast. Yeah, they, they did like a bunch, but not Kelly Dodd, which I was like kind of concerned. And don't get me wrong, like I love Ramona; I think she's hilarious, but she needs to stop saying sorry and like actually. Be accountable, yeah. Be accountable. Well, and even, like, I was surprised that with all the comments that Mary made that were so derogatory that Bravo never came out and said, we don't stand with her. Because I think that's where I struggle with the network a little bit. And I I don't work for NTV. I don't know what it's like to have to be that HR person. And I'm so glad I don't. But you would just think that, no. And you would just kind of think, like, we need a stance across the board for all of them. Like, I think what they did with Jenny was the right move. I'm kind of surprised they did it during the middle of the season, which I don't know if they've ever fired somebody like that while filming it for something like offensive that they've said, which is surprise was surprising to me in that sense, but I think it was the right call. But I just kind of think like, you know, and those things Mary said, they knew those were coming and they didn't make any kind of actions. And I don't know if it's because she left the show. And so they or felt they didn't need to, but like the show, yeah, they, before the show even started, says, like, yeah. we, like, you know, they've known it was coming for yeah. months. And so it's kind of, it's, it's always a little confusing to me. And I have to think there's some kind of maybe a legal reason or something going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about that makes it make sense because I would love to see a consistent stance across the board that's like, no, if these are your values, then then you don't belong on our network. And maybe that's what they're doing going forward, um, I hope, but it, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I would prefer that. <laughs> so, because yeah. no one needs to watch something that's hateful or, you know, support people that, make kinds of comments like that so or give them a platform really no no and a following and a way to make money and profit off being that so yeah yeah. well I just want to thank you so much I am so happy we were able to connect I will tell you when you agreed to come on I had like a little bit of a oh my gosh moment and called my best friend (laughs) and I was like you will not believe like she's gonna come on I'm so excited um because it's been so much fun over the last few years to see your brand grow. I love the brackets and how 
you take light of like these shows that are funny, but you really bring them to the surface and those lines, um, you know, some of the ones I'm thinking of, it's like, I'm a front burner girl. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like one of those things you could send to people or the Kim's not bad for a girl with no talent. Like, I love it. Um, so we end every episode with the same three questions. So the first question is, if you had a um, quote or mantra that you live by, what would that be? Yeah, so these were so hard. Um, I think maybe I was thinking about, and I hate to be like that girl who's like, oh, I'm going to quote like Jack Kerouac. But there was like a quote in a book that I read a long time ago that was like, manana, a lovely word that probably means heaven. And for me, I always thought that resonated with me because, you know, there, like I know a lot of people say like tomorrow isn't promised, but I think you know, it's a nice thing, way to think about the future. And it's a nice way to think about your life and your path going forward that, you know, every day it can change. I've, I've never heard that quote before. I love it. It's beautiful. Um, if you could relive any one day, what day would you choose? It would probably be the last day that I got to spend with my grandma before she passed away. Um, because I, had I known what was coming around the corner, I would have sat with her all day long and talked to her and gotten so much more life advice from her. And I think if I could relive that, I would do it in a heartbeat because you just never know how much time you have with the ones you love. And there's so many questions that I wish I could have asked her. And then the last question, I'm so excited to hear your answer for this. Oh God. <laughs> if you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would you choose? Okay, I don't know if I'd want to play every time I walked into a room, but it is like my hype song. It's my theme song and it's um, Step by Step by Whitney Houston because I think it's just like such a fun like hype song and it makes me feel like, yep, I got this. Like I'm going to make it and I'm going to like push through whatever gets thrown at me. So, yeah. <laughs> so I am going to add that song to the For Your Listening Pleasure uh, guest theme song playlist currently on Spotify. This is the second Whitney Houston theme song we have that we'll be adding. The first one was Million Dollar Bill and our guest Elena Bezer. She said that was her theme song and she said Love it just Whitney. like yeah. it amped her up and stuff. So Whitney can know, do that. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for our um, listeners. We're going to be purchasing some of Danielle's stuff and we're going to do different giveaway. So make sure you check out our Instagram as well as Danielle's. Um, I'll link everything, but Danielle, thank you so much. Thank you, Mallory. It was so nice talking to you.